Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives and strengthening the relational fabric of the family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your host. Good day, everyone. I'm excited to welcome you to another Purposeful Planning podcast. This one's entitled Lessons from the Ranch, Entrepreneurship and Reclaiming Our Family Stories. Our guest today is Lewis Weil. He's the founder of Money Positive. I'm going to let him tell his purposeful odyssey story. It's a, it'll be a wonderful kind of way to walk into what the topic of our conversation is around. Lewis, take it away. <laughs> John A., it is a delight to see you. I, I miss your face. Uh, I like that we both have beards today. Um, <laughs> and I, I, let me preface by saying, I right, well, apologize in advance. I'm at my office space, which is also an artist collective, and I forgot they're filming a music video today. So if there's any odd sounds in the background, uh, please, please understand. Um, yeah, so I, um, Lewis Weil, I started Money Positive. I uh, first came to Purposeful Planning Institute back in 2015. Uh, my journey to purposeful planning um, is a bit twofold. I, uh, like I said, run a, a RIA, registered investment advisory business called Money Positive. We work primarily with working people, with working artists, people who are um, trying to get organized and build budgets, uh, real basic stuff, but maybe not the kind of thing you would expect to find um, at an event geared more towards family offices. Um, and how I ended up um, at Rendezvous back in 2015, I was studying, um, I was studying family offices. I am a big believer in planning for the very long term. The magic of compounding works with the uh, the more time you can give it, the better. And the best way to do that is over the course of generations. Uh, and um, at the before this, I was a scientist. I was uh, a molecular biologist. I was studying to make this transition to uh, financial planning. And in the process, uh, trying to research how do people plan for the very long term. And there are surprisingly few resources. Uh, by that, I mean websites and books um, that are focused on long-term financial planning. Most things are, are very short-term because most money needs are in the near term. Um, and the books by Jay Hughes was one of the very few resources that I found um, to that was directly on the topic. Uh, I, in a moment of courage, I emailed Jay Hughes and he wrote back and he's like, you have to go to uh, this event rendezvous. It's in a couple of months run by the Purposeful Planning Institute. Uh, he might've sent an intro. Um, you all generously uh, gave me a scholarship to attend. Um, and on like, as I was sitting on the plane to, I'm in Austin, Texas, by the way, as I was sitting on the plane to, uh, fly to Denver, 
I got the email that uh, the state of Texas had approved my RIA. So my first time representing myself as Lewis for Money Positive was at um, Rendezvous. And I got to meet Jay Hughes and he gave me a big bear hug. Um, and it was, it what a perfect way to launch a business. Like I, I still have friends from that first rendezvous and I've been back. Um, but the other direction, the thing that led me to uh, part of it to becoming a purposeful planner and thinking very long-term um, is my own family's history. Uh, the Weil family uh, came, uh, is a Jewish Alsatian family. We came over uh, in the 1860s, uh, landed in the port of New Orleans, settled in Corpus Christi, Texas. We're one of the earliest uh, Jewish families in the Gulf Coast. And it is a, uh, you know, we have a storied history. We have, um, we have maintained our contacts over the generations. We're now, I'm Gen 5, we're now into Gen 7 and 8. Um, and we have managed to have family reunions every few years for the last 50 years. At those reunions, I would always hear stories about um, the family's ranch, about the family's grocery stores, about the family's businesses. And I remember thinking, well, I, I remember as a child asking, when are we going to go to the ranch? I want to go see the Wild Family Ranch. The Wild Family Ranch had all these stories. Um, Old Yeller part, uh, was written. Uh, they, the author came and would, would write on Old Yeller uh, at the family's ranch where uh, Pancho Villa would rest at the family ranch in the middle of the Mexican Revolution. He would come with his soldiers and they would get some R&R before going back across the border. Um, and it was abutting the King Ranch, which, uh, if people know, is a, I believe, the size of Connecticut. It's a famous ranch. And one thing to note is the the King. There is a King Ranch edition for truck now. There's not a Wild Ranch edition. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I asked, when do we get to go? And they said, well, it's not in the family anymore. Um, my uh, great, my great uncle uh, had a grocery store. It is the first documented time of the word pastrami. There is a non-zero chance my great uncle invented brisket pastrami. Uh, the grocery store is not there anymore. And that got me thinking, how did this happen? Um, and uh, as, a, as a young man, as a child, you know, that, that bothered me. I was like, well, how come we now have to ask permission to go visit the ranch now? The, these, all we have left is stories. Um, which is one of the reasons that got me thinking about long-term planning, about purposeful planning. Um, now, uh, as a you know solidly middle-aged man, I now appreciate that having stories is uh, is enough. Um, uh, that that having the stories is valuable. I'm glad. Uh, like I'm glad that we're still together. That we still meet. Uh, of course, it would be wonderful if the reunions were happening on the ranch. Uh, but I now realize just that I'm a lucky person to have the stories and to have the family. Uh, but those two things uh, led me to your doorstep. I, I love that story. And it is a perfect purposeful odyssey for us to talk about what you're going to share with us today. Thank you for that, Lewis. Thank you, Johnny. Well, do you want to share some of the, the lessons, the observations? You're, you're a keen observer. I, 
suspect that your background as a molecular biologist has helped you, you know, hone those observation skills. But I'd love to hear some of the lessons that you've acquired in this journey and how you would apply those back to. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And they uh, uh, what inspired me to uh, when I saw the uh, the opportunity for the podcast uh, was that what I've picked up is the entrepreneur's journey, the journey of the rising generation of the next generation, um, both in my own life of starting my own business and helping people start businesses and the importance of having purposeful businesses, of having purposeful planning um, that um, that the entrepreneur's journey is is an important one, uh, regardless. So whether you are, you know, trying to create something from scratch or trying to demonstrate uh, that you're ready to step into your role in in the family, um, that going on that journey uh, is important. And so when you know when I'm working with someone who has this desire or this motivation of finding how do we build upon it? Um, what is the, what are the strengths that someone has and what uh, resources do we need to pull in to, to start building, uh, to start building that? So if I'm uh, working with, um, you know, uh, a lot of times I work with people who are self-employed, like I said, I work with a lot of working artists and they don't even think of themselves as businesses. They don't realize that they're businesses. Uh, a lot of people just have a great idea and they just, uh, run with it. And the next thing they know they're in a business. So, um, you know, whether it's, um, uh, I can share this. I'm, I'm helping a person, uh, a delightful woman start a bookstore. I've helped people start, um, you know, breweries and all, uh, you know, medical businesses, art businesses, every everything under the sun. And uh, a lot of it is about understanding your own story and finding your confidence. Uh, there is, of course, the balance sheets and market fit and everything. But at the end of the day, it's about um, building your confidence in yourself uh, so that, you know, you'll have confidence in your business. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk here and now is um, one story, the one thing that comes up a lot I've noticed at Rendezvous and other uh, family-oriented, uh, family-office-oriented events is the um, unwillingness of older generations to hand over the reins and i think that even if it's within the family business that that entrepreneur's journey is um is important for both building one's own confidence as a rising member of a family and in the older generation to see uh someone come into their own just want to say this is couldn't be more timely today is the day after and it's a day of celebration because last night was my oldest grandchild's graduation from high school so I'm living and breathing and seeing that growing up and um, you know we aren't quite fully turning reins over to him but we're certainly giving him encouragement to you know stretch his wings and fly now 
And uh, it is, from the older generation perspective, extremely satisfying. I, I totally concur with that. And yeah. I think I think you're on to something very powerful when we talk about the, the importance of the encouragement to the rising generation family members to, to be bold, courageous, and to exercise the the boldness of starting a business, experiencing mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, that not everybody has the courage to do that. Yeah, I've got, I'm having, uh, this is giving me two thoughts. Uh, one, that the, entre- like, there's the typical entrepreneur's journey. And in my work with people, in my research, the typical journey never happens. And so the idea that you're going to do this, then you're going to get product market fit, then you're going to find investors, then you're going to get all this growth, and then you're going to go public, and then everyone's going to be rich. Uh, it's not that straightforward. It And the funny thing is, it's never that straightforward, but everyone holds themselves to that, uh, to that standard. Uh, but the bigger thing that's jumping out in my mind thinking about this is the embracing of failure of of trusting failure um i've had to learn this going from a single person and and i don't mean this as a dig at any of my colleagues at money positive of of letting go and letting someone fail instead of trying to tell them it's not going to work for this reason and this reason and this reason and then when it doesn't you know saying i told you so but that that's how people learn I would not have had the confidence to start Money Positive if my first business hadn't, if I hadn't tried it and failed. I didn't even think about the fact that it had failed. Uh, it wasn't until later, it was like, oh yeah, that that failed. I'm, I went out of business, didn't I? But without that, I would not have had the confidence. So whether um, whether it's a, a CEO, uh, like someone in my position, delegating you know, technically I'm the best person to do this because I've done it before, but really the best person to do it is the person who needs to learn, who has the ambition and drive and interest to go do it. Uh, But getting your, as the person letting go of uh, some power, um, getting comfortable with failure and as the entrepreneur being comfortable uh, or accepting of the fact that failure is part of the journey. Um, fail early. Fail early. <laughs> yes. Is some advice I've heard. And <laughs> not, I, I don't, the others fail often because it, it doesn't happen the first time. Um, you do have to sometimes try it multiple occasions before something really clicks big. But um this, this journey of the entrepreneur and linking it back to the transitions that families and family members go to, it's, it's fascinating that you bring this to us, Lewis. Uh, thank you. Yeah, what, what I've come to realize now, having had my own businesses and helped others with their businesses, is um, the thing that causes businesses to fail, like, a business isn't over until you decide it's over. Uh, we, you know, short of short of the bank coming and taking away all of uh, your office equipment, you're not done until you decide you're done. And realizing that is an important thing. That one thing when I'm working with someone is we're trying to give people runway. Uh, I have learned that runway is the mo- one of the most important deciding factors in whether a business will be successful. Someone, get, you know, given a long enough timeline, 
will be successful. Uh, okay, I'm going to get, a, a, I think, a funny story. So my business before this was I was a seaweed farmer. If anyone is unfamiliar, hasn't looked at a map, Austin, Texas is landlocked. Uh, I This is going back to my days uh, um, as a molecular biologist. I, I started growing this seaweed as a science experiment and then uh, caught on that it had that it was more interesting for its culinary applications. And next thing I knew, I'm in a farmer's market selling seaweed that I grew in an aquarium in my garage. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it grew from there. I was growing it in greenhouses, making artificial seawater. Um, uh, towards the end, I had a, 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 a thousand gallon raceway that I was growing seaweed in. I was selling it to all the uh, upscale um sushi restaurants in town you know I was I was selling everything I could grow but it never turned into a business one of the reasons was um no one knew what it was uh and it was in a a it was most popular in a Hawaiian dish that everyone was unfamiliar with um that dish is poke and there are now three poke places uh within a few minutes of my house if I had been in it long enough not to you know, not to say whether that's a good investment or not. Um, I could have been the seaweed king of Austin. Uh, <laughs> whether I still wanted to be or not, you know, was was a question. But it was I bring it up because it was a reminder that the business didn't fail. That if given a long enough timeline, given enough experimentation, given enough trust, given enough runway, you will succeed, and that's why you know, patience and failure are so important, which might be something for a, um, you know, an older generation who's doesn't remember what it was like early on um, in their memory, all they remember. Cause it, it, you don't, when you're moving, when you're, when you're a busy entrepreneur, you, you brush off the failures. Like the, the failures are gone. Like that project's over and done and you're on to the next thing before you know it's already out of your mind and most people aren't going to remember all the things that they tried and failed at so um patience and um willingness to try things um i see as problems and and you know i have a handful of clients who are in this position where there is a family business and basically they need to build the trust of the older generation um you know to step in ideally, and this is one thing I wish I could put in every older generation's mind, is letting the younger generation step in and try things and fail before, before it's too late. Because if if they are standing to inherit the business, it's going to, it's going to happen one way or the other. And that like stepping into, you know, whatever dad's left behind. Um, I'm thinking about someone in particular stepping into whatever, uh, you know, dad's left behind, but didn't trust, uh, their, their, you know, uh, their children to take over during their life. Um, well, they're going to get it and they're going to be doing it with lawyers. Uh, and they're going to be doing, doing it with, customers banging on the door who don't care that, uh, you know, pop passed away. They just know that they have, you know, some contract terms that are due. Uh, so trusting, um, 
whether it's within the family business already or letting someone start their own thing as a way of demonstrating uh, and growing to come in and take their their place in the family business. I one thing I've I've heard over and all over is the um, issues of of trust, um, and and I think letting someone go on that entrepreneurial journey, whether it's internal, you know, giving them enough seed money to get started. Um, or or giving them enough that they to that if that first boost of uh, of confidence, uh, I think is critical. Um, and I, I want to share that we I don't know why the family ranch is gone. I'm guessing it's just that um, you know the children probably didn't want to take it over, or there was a drought and everyone said, "Who cares? I don't want to deal with cows anymore." Um, you know and uh, a young immigrant family, like they, they made the decision that they had to, uh, but, you know, thinking, uh, I bring it up because thinking about the future generations and what do they, uh, being purposeful and being, and not just thinking about what do we do in this situation, but thinking, you know, as an ancestor, what kind of ancestor do I want to be seven generations from now? What do I want, uh, you know, my great, great grandchildren that I'll never meet? What do I want? What do I want for them? And I understand that they probably weren't in a place to think like that, but we, you know, you can at least have the thought and don't cost anything. (laughs) And with the help of a Lewis or another member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, you can kind of capture and preserve those thoughts, those stories, that vision, so that it can have that seventh generation impact. It's so important. Lewis, I'm, I think we, we feel a common bond here. PPI in the minds of many is strictly concerned with the issues that family offices deal with. And yet, I, that's not the vision I had when PPI was founded. Clearly, no, I didn't realize the, that. clearly, some of the people who have contributed mightily are the giants who've kind of built the family office industry and the the foundations upon which family offices are hoping to have success. But I, in my practice, while I ended up at the end, the last twenty some years serving extremely wealthy families. I started out really uh, working largely with what we'd call the millionaires next door. Mm -hmm. So I have um, an appreciation for trying to make sure that what we do at PPI is scalable and can be in some way, some fashion, not all, but there, there are lessons that we can bring down and help infuse, integrate into the journeys of of a middle-class clientele. I'd love to hear what your perspectives are. Are there things that you've noticed, observed within PPI that you specifically are trying to kind of bring into uh, a millionaire, a millionaire next door, a more mainstream uh, financial planning. <laughs> I, I, I even better. I've got. I get people coming to me with zero dollars in the bank and a bunch of credit <laughs> card debt. A million dollar next door would be 
<laughs> they, 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 they're they're successful. Uh, what one thing that I think is fascinating about us, money positive, is we work with someone whether they're making thirty thousand dollars or three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Some of you know some of my poorest clients have been medical doctors. Um, the it the when you're when you work for a living, the the problems are much the same. Um, and I I definitely think that having my first event my um in fact the, the most of my activity my professional activity through ppi has had a very meaningful impact um a lot and i think something that makes us different that makes me different is i don't this is going to sound this might sound bad maybe you don't want, maybe someone doesn't want to hear this from a financial planner i actually don't care about money i'm i'm not a nerd for money, I don't read every story. Um, it's it doesn't. It's not what I think about. What I think about is people. I like people. I like helping people, and uh, realizing that is that's something I picked up at uh, at PPI of like that it's people and their journeys that are important. That money is the tool. It's the way that they interact with the world. Um, one thing I picked up was the even one oftentimes when we're working with someone, what we were first doing is often helping them get out of debt and then building up an emergency fund, then starting to invest. Um, and one thing I picked up at PPI that I probably wouldn't have otherwise is engaging with, uh, you know, even, even if it's $10 a month, I still call it philanthropy. Um, asking the people that I'm working with to um to engage with it and start seeing where are they sending money where are they volunteering and how can they get together um to find out what's important to them and work together um and then how can they get their kids involved how can they make this part of their lives uh because one thing I picked up on it at um rendezvous is that that's a place where a family can learn how to get on the same page and be acting as a unit towards a greater goal without it being, you know, maybe the family's business. And um, it, 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 it almost doesn't matter the dollar amount. It's the act. That's so that is a big thing that I picked up on that I probably would not have um at, you know, I was doing that from day one, eight years ago, probably would not have picked up that before. Um, and the other the other kind of thing was maybe the the attitude and coming back to the entrepreneur's journey of we're not just here to to make your debt go away or figure out what to do with your student loans. We're figuring out here, what do you want to do with your life? What is your purpose? Because I noticed that once people had some financial security, um, they realized that they didn't like where their life was, that, uh, you know, all people would quit jobs that they were just working because they needed to pay the bills or because they felt like they had to. The number of people who go back to school, who start businesses, um, once they have that foundation, um, that the whole point of all this is purposeful planning of trying to give people, um, and this is, I think, true no matter you know um, whether you're 
already financially secure or not is to get time and energy back so that we can be putting it into um, the things that give us purpose. Um, I, you know, I love to help someone quit their job so that they can be a stay at home parent. Not everyone has to go out and become, uh, you know, a dynamo entrepreneur. If you realize like that I'm in the, you know, the most precious time in my life is with these little kids. So giving someone that ability or, or to help them, like, I want to try this thing and giving them understanding of the, you know, the business aspects and the runway, all of it comes back to purpose. Like if there's no purpose, what are we doing? Um, That's a beautiful note to end this conversation on. I, Lewis, I just want to express to you how, to me, truly sacred the work is that you're doing. I think entrepreneurship, being able to help individuals and families uh, create um, abundance in their lives emotionally, uh, understanding the, the meaning of money and wealth, whatever level we're serving at, this is really sacred work. And to then hear you say how, whether it's just $10 a month, you're introducing them to the joys of philanthropy. I I just want to give you a big purposeful hug and thank you for being part of our community, for setting an example, inspiring us, and, and sharing these lessons with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. If there's anything I can do to give back to the community, I'm here. Thank you, Lewis. And thank you, everyone, for joining me today with Lewis. Take care. Thank you, Johnny. We hope you enjoyed today's program. And if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute, I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation. And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network resources, and tools you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. Learn more at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com.